the PowerShell Podcast. Over a million hits and counting. The podcast for PowerShell and the PowerShell community. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm Jordan, along with megastar Andrew Plaw. So kind, Jordan. Thank you. I'm running out of superlatives. Okay. A superstar will just, it's always fitting. All right. I'll take it. All right. So you want to talk about Posh CVE today? It sounds like it's PowerShell and security. So Yeah. It's a cool module to check out CVEs, right? We always hear about new CVEs. They're always happening. So if you hear about one, you can install this module, and then you can get CVE and return some information about the different CVEs. Boom. They were so intimidated by this module that uh, they had the lowest month of exploits closed for Patch Tuesday in six years. Like, what's, the, what's the point? PowerShell's on top of it. Pretty good. Uh, you can also get CVs by the vendor and all kinds of stuff like that, too, to kind of get some more context and interesting stuff. All right. And then let's see. You, we have another blog by friend guest several time guest of the podcast harm visher i say several times i forget yeah. how many times people i think just once but just it was once. a good time that's a shame what it is yeah he has a blog on using a specific powershell profile for a console session windows terminal session powershell isc or visual studio code just another amazing article by the harm I like that one so that one seems handy so if you are using multiple basically having different customizations so you get the expected result for wherever you're at that feels pretty handy to me. Yep. And make them, you know, change your PowerShell profiles and make them specific for the application. I, I do have a question for you now. What's up? Do you know anyone that has a talk at this year's upcoming summit? I guess next year's summit? Next year's, yes. 2024. I do know one person. Actually, I know several, but I know one very, very well. So yes, Jordan, the cat's out of the bag. Um, summit notifications went out, speakers were selected, and I'm fortunate that I was selected with Kevin to give our pair programming talk that we previewed um, in our interview with him a few episodes ago. Check that out. Kevin's awesome. Looking forward to it. It's going to be his first time speaking at Summit, so I'm really excited to prepare with him and kind of be there for him and, and see how it all goes. It's going to be a good time, though. And another thing, did you know we have a Discord, Jordan? And did you know there's a PowerShell specific channel where listeners of the podcast can go and we can chat PowerShell, share things, give feedback on the podcast, whatever. It's there, discord.gg slash pdq link in the show notes. And also a very special shout out to our car listeners. Sam, who we're about to introduce in a minute here, was telling us on before we went live that he used to be a car listener and his commute time went down. And I know there's a lot of you out there listening right now in your car. We just want to say drive safe. And keep PowerShell in the back of your mind at all times. It, it is a irrefutable fact that our podcast is the only reason to not want to go full remote as a worker. Yeah, you just got to catch the vibes every week. And, and we're here every week, almost 100 episodes. That's a lot. All right, so it's enough of us. Let's get to the reason everyone is tuned in today. Ever welcome our guest today, Sam. And I'm always bursting. I'm going to say Erd. Did I get it right? That's close enough. I, no. I've gotten so many different <laughs> pronunciations, and I don't even say it right. It's it's German. Uh, my family has always said Erdi. I think the the right way is Erda or something to that effect. 
but I'll answer if you call me Sam or Sturdy or anything that rhymes with thirty. So yeah. we're uh, we're we're coming up on two years of this, and I think I've maybe gotten three last names right, and all those were like Smith. <laughs> I'm just happy you get mine right. APIs most man. of the time. <laughs> So Sam, it's been a long time coming. I've seen you in the community for a while. Um, when was your real introduction to being involved in PowerShell in a more public way? I know you're not like super out there, but I've definitely seen your name a lot and see you contributing and sharing your perspective a lot. It hasn't been that long, actually. And uh, we'll probably cover that a few times between now and uh, the parameters. But... It's been, a, it's been a gradual process of just getting more connected with the community. And the biggest catalyst for that has been working with the locksmith, mo locksmith module. And back in January, I discovered this module that helps find and secure Active Directory certificate services. So it's, it's based on some research that SpectreOps did, I think, three years ago now, where basically... It's really common for your cert templates to have some insecure configurations on them and make it easy for malicious actors to get domain admin or whatever identity they want. And so it was one of those modules that I found and it was just so easy to run and so easy to find things. And there's a lot of like the InfoSec community it has a ton of amazing tools, but this one met the need in a unique way and that it was so easy to understand what it was doing and giving you. So, you know, I grokked it, I ran it, and then I shared it because of how easy it was. And uh, one of the things I've been trying to do for a while is give back because I've gotten so, I've learned so much from the community. And so uh, I think I sent a message to Jay Kildreth who kind of created it. And uh, I can probably contribute to one of these features that they want to map out in the future. And uh, that led to a fun conversation and that led to a few calls and here we are. So that, that was uh, in a lot of ways uh, a big accelerant to stuff that I've learned in PowerShell, getting um, better understanding of how to use Git and GitHub and um, just kind of one of the things getting me more out there in the community too. That's awesome. Um, I, I didn't know that there was that whole journey. You know, we love to see that when people contribute to open source or just connect in any way, just sending a message, even if it's not about working on open source and seeing what cool things that can lead to. And sounds like from what you're saying, that was a pretty impactful process for you and really part of your blossoming. <laughs> like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So this module also sounds very helpful. I think a lot of people listening might have ADCS underneath their belt uh, in some way. And it sounds like this module is a great way to find security misconfigurations. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And if you're like me, you have a similar journey where you've done Active Directory for a long time, you've done PowerShell, your organization probably has Active Directory certificate services. You probably have a CA that somebody built by following a blog because PKI is crazy. It's deep, it's complex. There's not a lot of uh, SMEs 
at small or medium-sized organizations that really understand how it works. And so we're all just following the the wizard, hitting next, next, next. And and then you know we build these templates to maybe set up authentication for for wireless access or whatever. And so we put in what we think works. Um, and this tool points out that hey, hey, you've you've got the ability to create certs based on a subject alt name, and there's no approval required. So you can literally request a cert and the identity of anybody in your entire forest. Um, so it's it's pretty important, and uh, you know I think anyone that runs it is going to find them. Mm. And and it, yeah, you're right. It does make it pretty easy, and so it's one of the great ways to learn more about what you have. And yeah, that's, that's why PowerShell makes that kind of thing easy, right? It's one of the reasons we love it. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great example of someone had a problem one time, they made a module to solve their problem. They made it in a way that other people could help maintain and you added features to it and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone benefits and we can all sort of bring more value to work very easily. And I love projects like this because this seems like a very easy win. Um, for people of any level, you don't have to be a huge scripter to be able to find, listen to this podcast, find out about this module, and run this in your environment, potentially have some actionable info and a little W for your team and, and to bring to your boss. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you get started with it? It's, uh, well, oh man, more community connections here. Uh, initially, it was a script that you have to download from GitHub. And then... Uh, someone we all know, uh, Shemek, or you know the guy behind Evotech, who mm. has created some great modules like Testmo and GPO Zor and a whole bunch of others that a lot of us rely on. He reached out to us and said, hey, you guys could make this a module. And there's a few ways you can do it, but I have a module that makes a module. No, he does. So he helped us get that set up. And now you can actually just do install module locksmith, and it pulls from the gallery. and you just invoke locksmith. And so it's, it's it's as simple as installing it and running invoke locksmith. And the default is just going to do a quick scan of your templates, your ADCS objects. And a minute or two later, uh, you'll have that report saying, here's what you need to look at. There's a few different modes you can run to get the actual remediations for most of those. And even if you want to, implement the fixes. So. I like mode one where it gives you the issue and then it gives recommended fix for it. Yeah. I would be skeptical of four where it auto fixes. Right. I would rather I would rather have the list of here's what you need to fix and I'll go in and do it. We just had this conversation actually. I I'm the same guy. And even the other members on the, the core team that make this module, we all do the same thing. Show me the fix. I'm gonna go run the fix, even though I'm probably gonna run the same exact command that you're doing. Uh, we all wanna see that and have that control. The, the nice thing this is, it is actually prompts you before each one. So you can say, do you want to do this one? Yes or no. And it also creates a script to revert any changes that you put in for the most case. I mean, in a lot of these, you need to actually modify the template. And so that's something you do want to go through your change control process. You want to do a testing process on those. So it won't all be automated. But turning on auditing for your CA, that's a quick win. Very cool. Uh, so hopefully if you're listening to this, you can run this and, and get some results. And it sounds like probably misconfigurations that are going on because uh, 
as people who are responsible for systems. We want to know how those systems are doing. And PowerShell is very good at informing us the status of things and being able to check in, write a script, just run the script to check in on things. Because there's a lot under most people's purview, especially in this day and age. Absolutely. So I don't want to, I don't want to leave out one thing. Your question about getting started in the community. Um, I got to mention Mike, and I'll probably say his last name wrong, Kanakos out of the pretty good. the research triangle area. Um, they've got a great uh, PowerShell user group. And uh, years ago, I found uh, one of his blog posts that he'd written about backing up GPOs. And something prompted me. I saw that. And I was like, mm, this is useful. And this one thing might make it a tiny bit better. So I tried <laughs> to make my first PR on a GitHub repository. And he was kind enough to walk me through the, the right way to do it. And he also pointed out, hey, Hacktoberfest is right now. Or Hacktoberfest. Yeah, Hacktoberfest. Hacktober, yeah. And so he's like, um, do the PR this way and sign up for this thing and get some credit and have some fun. So that actually was an even earlier catalyst for kind of getting me into the GitHub side of the community and understanding how significant that can be to learning more, getting out there and uh, kind of expanding, you know, use of different tools. I think if you followed most people's journeys through the community back to the original source, a common theme would be Mike. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've got a, a short list. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's on it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he agreed. He was one of our, I think it was our second ever guest and we were getting like three views episode at the time it's mm -hmm. i mean more than that i'm just being me but yeah not much but yeah we, we weren't there's no reason to expect it ever become anything or to continue but he instantly said yes and was fantastic for us yeah that's awesome very community oriented guy shout out mike kanekos and the research triangle powershell user group should probably have them on again um but that's a great little tidbit that you added there sam because i was going to ask like what planted the seed in your head to actually contribute or to, but it sounds like Mike kind of helped you initially ease the burden of contributing. And then you saw a project that was helpful and found a way that you could add value and kind of, was that your first public win sort of? That was, that was my first PR, my first commit to anything outside of my own. I don't even know if I had my own repository at that time. Wow. Uh, you know, not developer. I didn't have a GitHub account. Um, but it was interesting and it's like one more thing, you know, cause we all love to learn new things and, yeah. uh, squirrel, um, it's a new yak to shave. So, um, dove into it and, you know, at some point we all see how it can be helpful to have version control for our scripts or maybe share our scripts, just back them up. So it, again, it checked off all those things and, it, it hasn't been just PowerShell, too. Um, for a few years, I did a ton of work with SolarWinds Orion. And that was one of those spaces on Flack where ramping up, I learned a ton from different people that were answering questions and quickly saw, okay, you know, I benefited from so much. And I think my boss is probably cool with me kind of using a little bit of my time to give back to the community. And that was one of those areas very specifically that inspired me to, you know, learn as much as possible, 
and share as much as possible. Um, and I think one of the core values, you know, I don't know about you guys, I'd, I'd actually love to hear from you, but there's always a couple of articles or books or things that become sort of watershed things in your career, things that inspire you. And one was a post by Tim O'Reilly, where he wrote about creating more value than you consume. That one just stuck with me in a deep way. And, you know, when you're working, when you're on the clock, sometimes it's hard publicly to be able to do that. But that one very much sticks with me with this community to want to get more involved and to try to share and to create value. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's great. For me, a pretty impactful book was a lot of Don Jones work, but in particular, Be the Master. Um, yeah. Kind of got me thinking about things a lot differently. Yeah. But but I, I like that community-oriented approach where you really try and add value. And, you know, for people out there who are on the earlier stages of things and who are more on the consumption side, that's a great place to be. But when you get to the point um, when you really want to start solidifying ideas and kind of connecting with the core concepts, when you start doing things publicly and contributing and really getting involved, it adds a whole new dynamic and obviously technical good stuff, but just the community nature of things to feel so connected to that is just a great thing. And to be able to help others. And a lot of what I do is I try and like just help out me whenever I needed it, like five years ago or whatever, you know, create content that <laughs> yeah. I would have liked or like, you know, like this podcast. I, so true. I love the PowerShell scripting podcast and just to have a voice to kind of encourage you and listen to and keep you on the track. That's really what I needed back then. So mm -hmm. it's a good way to go about things. And I have a link to that video as well. I mean, my, my thing for PowerShell didn't even come from a book. It came from a guy. Uh, the guy that hired me here at PDQ. His name's Chris Powell. And he, he took me from, because when I hired on, it was a tool that I used. I, I enjoyed PowerShell because it helped me do things quicker. And that dude has more passion than anyone I've ever met. And he was excited to talk about everything PowerShell. And he was the one that fought to get me to get sent to Summit the first year back in 2018. And he just, he's amazing. And, and he showed me how to get involved with everything. I really wish he would have been a guest at some point on here, but... I don't know. Everyone, everyone should talk to Chris Powell. Their life would be better for it. Yeah, Chris is awesome. Got me started as well. That's a real gift to be able to work with people who are passionate about, about things and they do things well. Yeah, it's nice working with competent people and both at work and in the community who are really good at what they do, but also really into helping and teaching and putting it in a way that's palatable for someone who's a beginner and not judging them and not just like flexing that they're so good at PowerShell and can write all this stuff, but genuinely somewhat being invested in helping convey concepts that to them are simple, but to someone who's less experienced are kind of complex and can be confusing and um, daunting at times. These are some good vibes. I'm, I'm digging the community vibes in this episode so far. Uh, always. That was, uh, yeah, you guys have so many good conversations already that touch on what I think what keeps us going with PowerShell and keeps us going with meeting people and making these relationships. Uh, you know, I think back to your conversation with Joe Hughes uh, was definitely an impactful one, an inspiring one. Uh, so 
don't want to rehash that, but you know, it echoed kind of all the same things that you know inspire and motivate me here to put my best. Uh, I, I'm not a content creator, but you know, put my best work into whether it's GitHub or the blog that I just started or Twitter. I can say you say not a content creator, but you have your own blog now about PowerShell. That, do you know what that makes you? Oh, With content on it. <laughs> Got me. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It's just uh, if you know how long I've thought and, and talked about actually starting that, um, it felt good to get that, that one out. But it, and it was really, you know, this, this locksmith project that kind of finally gave me the thing that I was like, I have something I, I think I know I can write about and the inspiration behind it. And I'm able to share about something that I learned specifically. And so that was, that was a cool moment. And then I, you know, it's the community. I, I got a great response already on my blog directly from Jeff Hicks himself explaining a bit, but I haven't really learned because most of my PowerShell I've learned Incidentally, in the moment when I need to solve a specific problem, I didn't go do a PowerShell course or a PowerShell conference. And so, you know, I need to go back and I need to do, you know, work through PS Cones or the the tiny projects module. Um, I think to relearn some basics, you know. So he pointed out when you use return in a function, you're actually terminating the pipeline. News to me. You know, thankfully, it didn't impact my project, but it was a great little learning moment. And so he was willing to invest some time and give that back. And uh, you know, two people I respect on Twitter also commented on a different thing where they they liked it and they said, "And you can also do this. Might sometimes be better." Um, it's great conversations. That's huge. And I like how you touched on that before you created the blog, you thought about it forever <laughs> <laughs> or for a while. You know, we're kind of. So in some trepidation because I think that's so relatable to so many people who started their blogs and to so many people listening who hear us talk about it and they're still thinking that what they have to say isn't that helpful or you know because for a lot of us it can be a big challenge and it was for me um, but it sounds like you're well on your way to tackling those challenges that you didn't earlier in your career and you're benefiting from it as you've kind of mentioned and as time goes on you'll probably keep doing more and more and then by the end of it, you'll have come so far, it'll be hard to look back and, and kind of, you know, that's how it goes. One step at a time. We all have these in our PowerShell journey, things we're working on. Maybe understanding the pipeline is one that people are dealing with or really figuring out writing modules or even just installing and managing modules. But by the end of it, if you keep with it and keep taking things off one at a time, you can accomplish some really impactful things. And I think that that's the story of a lot of our guests is they've done awesome stuff. They've contributed to awesome projects like Locksmith and things that so many people earlier in their uh, journeys aspire to. Um, and they've kind of done that just one step at a time. So Sam, if someone wanted to, I don't know, learn how to return multiple objects from a PowerShell function, where would they go? <laughs> well, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn about my learning process on that one thing. So a little uh, plant, um, you know, that was one of those things where I asked the question to myself for the first time. And so you can, you can check it out on my blog um, that I, I just created a little fun uh, day three bits.com started just as a uh, GitHub IO thing using beautiful Jekyll. So yeah, that was my first post, returning multiple objects from a PowerShell function. It's pretty cool. 
if you're listening and, and you're feeling inspired to start blogging, how was the process? Was it uh, challenging to get the blog up or what was some of the hangups with that process? For me, the biggest challenge was deciding um, w- which platform to use because I, I am at the point where I feel like I almost need to simplify and bring more focus to the number of things that I'm trying to learn and trying to maintain. And so the idea of using a static website generator like Hugo or Ghost or Jekyll has a lot of really appealing aspects to it. And that's where I went to first. Um, And I thought, okay, now I need to like write Markdown for everything. I need to somewhat maintain this and learn some new things too. And my primary machine isn't Linux, so there's an extra layer where most of these sort of default to using Linux and Ruby or different packages like that. So I played with, all right, do I want to use um, Substack or another platform? And it's far too much time analyzing all of them. Um, but I did end up doing that one. And there are some resources that do make it even easier than it already is. It's not a big lift to do. Um, and there's lots of walkthroughs that uh, kind of show how to use either you know, Ghost or, or Jekyll. So I, I won't go into that, but I did end up using uh, Beautiful Jekyll, which is one that's on GitHub and you can simply fork it, customize the config YAML file, and you're pretty much live. So. I like that. It's good yeah. chance to work on source control to kind of keep those skills fresh. Exactly. That was some of the appeal. Yeah. Nice. I wanted to also highlight, you have another repository that I think is going to be very appealing for people um, who are trying to get set up with PowerShell. If you want to talk about that, your PowerShell pre-workout. <laughs> that was one of those things that started with just maintaining my my work environment and i found myself trying to maintain my different powershell profiles depending on which host i'm working in and again going back to mike it was a blog post of his that introduced me to the idea of dot sourcing your all of your profiles to a single location a single file that you maintain and that was great but um you know, I'm in VS Code, and I wanted to open them all quickly and easily. And I thought, why don't I make a workspace? And tell me often you guys do this, but I thought, let me automate this with PowerShell or or something like that. And so uh, I tried to make this little PowerShell script that basically dynamically created a workspace and brought in all of my profiles and the folders that have them. And of course, I needed to bring in my settings from VS Code and Windows Terminal. And it just evolved into this side project that I was doing more for fun than real significant benefit, but I made it work. And then I thought, okay, the next step, this actually might be fun to share. And if I'm doing this, my goal really was to try to set things up to quickly get started with working with PowerShell. You know, maybe you're new to PowerShell or maybe you just have a new machine. So what do I do the first time I get a new machine 
and I'm installing everything. I have another script for that, but you know, how do I quickly configure everything the way they want it and then install the modules I need and get off to the races? And so that kind of got me started with the idea of PowerShell pre-workout, something to kind of boost getting started with working with PowerShell. And that turned into that repo. So it's a work in progress still. And uh, ideas are welcome. <laughs> now, you mentioned a workspace. What is workspace in this context? In Visual Studio Code, you can create, and I'm, I'm no expert here, but you can create different workspaces that have, uh, say, you can choose which VS Code extensions load in that workspace, which folders are added to that workspace, and even different settings for that workspace, depending on what kind of project you're working on. So. In this case, I created um, a workspace that uh, contains extensions for working with YAML and Markdown and PowerShell, of course, and a few other linting ones. And then I have uh, the folders for all of the different profile locations mounted into that workspace and the settings into that workspace. And so it's a great way for kind of tying together all the resources for one project. Um, or maybe each module that you're working on. So I have a, a different workspace for when I do my locksmith development. And then I have one workspace that's, well, another workspace that has all my other repositories in one workspace. And so nice just for maintaining stuff, keeping stuff clean and, and organized. I like stuff in there in buckets. <laughs> I see that. And you make use of the .vs code folder, which is a way to kind of enforce some settings in a workspace. Um, which is pretty cool. I always love highlighting it because I think it's awesome. And it looks like you're you're an OTBS fan. I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> Do I know what the L mean? Not really. I think I'm OTBS really. as well, though. Yeah. It's it's the one that I found that uh, I align with the most, and I think it's also the um, what would you call it? the sort of the the template or the approach. The, it's recommended by the patterns and practices. Uh, yeah, that'd be a great uh, repo actually to mention in the, in the show notes. But yes, I'm all about being consistent. Uh, I spend too much time formatting my Word documents and my Visio diagrams and my PowerShell. Uh, but I do firmly believe that if you're consistent and you document things well and, and make it readable, then it's easier to maintain. So. That is huge. And, you know, maintainability is something that I think maybe initially when people get really excited about automation, they maybe overlook it a little bit, but it is so worth developing things in a way that is maintainable, both within work, right? Like after you leave, at least for me, I want all the work that I've done on these projects and these automations, I'd like it to be maintainable. I'd like to not think that my work goes for nothing. So if you have good documentation and write things in a way that is maintainable, you're going to be a lot more successful. And you just feel better, at least for me. I feel better knowing that like, I've done things in previous jobs mostly the right way. And they're still working today, some of them. Definitely, yeah. It's nice when uh, you're able to look at a module and you're able to trust it more quickly and get off the ground running more quickly if you can actually understand what it's doing. And uh, especially if you need to maintain it or extend it at all, then uh, that's that's just an amazing starting point to have. Yep. And 
we'll just give another plug. We mentioned it, but the PowerShell Practice and Style repository is in the show notes. Great shout out, Sam. It has it covers all kinds of different topics when it comes to writing PowerShell. One that I think would be great to check out is the building reusable tools one. Um, kind of a more advanced topic. The other ones are great as well, but I think that's some interesting reading. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's that fits in with the reason we we use PowerShell and our you know the mantra: if you do it once, great. If you do something twice manually, you probably should script it and automate it. And if you do it three times, it better be automated at that point. And I like to extend that into the idea of whenever I create a script, am I going to use this for other tools, other processes, or other functions? And that's begun to guide me more towards this idea of oh, actually making a module isn't that difficult. And what else in my repeated day-to-day -day work can I roll into a module for myself or the rest of my team to use? If I can, I was reading some of these like topic titles for this. I just want to read a couple. Yeah. Decide whether you're coding a tool or a controller script. So a tool is the thing that actually does it, and a controller script would be what you use to orchestrate those different tools. Make your code modular. Make tools as reusable as possible. Mm -hmm. Use PowerShell standard commandlet naming. <laughs> Use PowerShell standard parameter naming. There's more, but I, I think it's some really great stuff. And there's like a paragraph to accompany each of these that gives you some more context. Because um, I think for me in the beginning, I figured out how to write some PowerShell and get some commands. But then thinking of it as more of like a maintainability or programmer almost or developer type, um, I didn't have. And that should help clarify things for some people. That's so true. You can you can save yourself hours and hours and hours if you make it modular and put each function into its own script. Make it make it reusable. And if you're confused as to like, ah, you know, you can't wrap your head around how exactly that would look for whatever you're writing it for feel free to ask the community. People um, are a lot more experienced with it and they'd probably be helpful to give some architectural advice um, and give you some examples of maybe how you would end up calling it whenever it's done. Um, but you don't have to go through all this just kind of toiling in your own brain. If you get to a stuck point and you've done your research and you're kind of like, here's where I am, put that into words and, and share it in the PowerShell Discord. There's a lot of awesome people there who'd be willing to help, share it on online communities that you're part of, um, wherever you get PowerShell help. And if you haven't found any, you should find a place because it is a lot easier to not do it all alone. I, I couldn't agree more. You should almost rename this to the PowerShell Community Podcast because of the number of times it comes up. But it's it's so true. Uh, literally almost anyone out there, you could DM on Twitter or, or pick your platform. They're going to answer and help you. Like everyone out there, regardless of technical level, uh, is pretty much willing to look at your code, give you feedback, help you solve a problem, or you know the the PowerShell Discord slash Slack. It's mind blowing the number of Q and A that happens on a daily basis, and people answer. Uh, I've gone there several times this this year and gotten answers, gotten full conversations about the best way to do things within minutes of posting, sometimes seconds. I've never had something go unanswered there. Yeah, it's awesome. And to not have to do it all alone, because there are moments in PowerShell where you do have to sort of be confused and kind of push through it. And then eventually it kind of clicks a little bit, at least for me. 
yeah there was writing a module was one of those where it's like I, I understood how to write each command but doing them all at once and like putting them together was uh, a big task and once i did it i sort of had the perspective of like oh that's how it's it's done and kind of like you with the locksmith thing once you sort of do it once it's easier to repeat it um which is super helpful yeah uh, and if you create tools like you have with your quick start guide to kind of make it simple for you to get up and running in a, in a helpful way and start working on your workflow to kind of make it easier to start writing PowerShell, you know, anything you can do to remove the barrier to entry, um, especially earlier in your journey is going to be helpful. Yeah. We'll have to do things that reduce the, the setup steps or reduce the, just the cognitive load to getting going with things and understanding things, get right into the work. Um, and I, something you said kind of inspired one thing that I can't recommend enough to anyone, whether you're just getting started or you've been doing it for years, to have at least one project that you're focused on and still solving problems with. Um, you know, again, this the locksmith one. That's not the only PowerShell I do, but it's given me so many amazing examples of challenges that I've learned or come across for the first time. Um, I've, I've gone to PowerShell user groups and I've read blogs about creating a custom class, for example. I never had a great scenario to use one in until this module, this project. So I wrote a custom class and I went through the process of not just copying someone's sample, but actually understanding it and then making one. Um, or, you know, doing more things with hash tables and returning multiple objects. So having a project where you're still solving problems it's it's far more valuable than just a, a demo code and, and th those are great but yeah really getting your hands on is just different so, custom classes are one where i've seen people do stuff in example how you can do it but i've never seen outside of for desired state i've mm -hmm. never seen it where it is used mm-hmm uh, I think years ago, I, I I did one where I built a bar inventory system where I could add different classes for different types of alcohol that I could do a pour and it wouldn't track that kind of metric. But overall, it's, it's it was a nonsense thing. Just I was showcasing that I could build classes. But outside of DSC, can can you think of or if I mean I'd love to hear from anyone where they've built a class outside of DSC where it was a huge enhancement. So I think um, the way that PoshBot is architected is using classes. In fact, I know it is, um, which is kind of interesting because basically PoshBot is a way to have PowerShell interact with the chatbot, sort of, right? Like you send it commands that can do things. And class-based means that you can configure it for different backends. So Slack communicates differently than Teams does, and it's helpful for that, and it's kind of interesting, that approach. Um, but similar to you, Sam, for me, PoshBot was one of those modules where I had heard about class-based stuff, okay, read about advanced stuff in blogs, never really applied it, so it didn't really click. And this was a good example for me to actually uh, work on it and put it in my little test environment and try and get things working and then eventually piece it enough together to be like, oh, that is how classes works. I sort of have a decent idea of uh, how to go about this, but I, I haven't found any other uses for myself. Yeah, my case was with this module, we found ourselves sort of referring to the same information in multiple places throughout the module, different functions where we scan for a vulnerable configuration 
then we maybe want to fix it or maybe we want to just describe it in the output for the user. And it felt like, wait, we keep referring to metadata for this thing that we're looking for. And that led to this idea of, well, what if we had sort of a reference object or a dictionary or glossary or, or something that describes each of these vulnerable configurations, these escalation paths, and then that that meta well that object can it could be a custom object but having it saved as uh, a dictionary as a custom class lets us add those attributes of here's the name here's the the type a description a different urls for more information the code to actually fix it can be a script block on that on that class and so you know, creating that allowed us to simply reference those objects every time instead of typing in that different data at different points throughout the module. And for me, that just became a really cool anchor at the core of the module for anything we needed to know about those uh, vulnerable templates or CAs. So there you go, Jordan. A couple of use <laughs> cases. Yeah. Simple enough. Done and done. Um, yeah, just to reiterate, it's so helpful if the project, uh, I know that we talked to Clayton recently, he went out and did his own project and I know that was really fruitful for him. He learned a ton and, uh, some other people are getting some awesome value out of that module. Uh, sounds like Sam, you had success, uh, reaching out to the module author and being able to have a conversation and see how you can contribute and things like that. That's a great way to go about things reach out, have conversations. There's a lot of people who'd be happy to take contributions and some who will even offer you some guidance and answer some questions along the way that you might have. Absolutely. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And also to reiterate, you have that getting started module, I mean, uh, project repository. I think that that's a great example of a first repository. If you're trying to learn GitHub and have your own first technical repository that you use, Having your helpful functions, having whatever workflow type things, common commands, you don't have to wait till it's a perfectly polished module to get started with GitHub. It The more of those little battles that you can win and have underneath your belt, uh, the better. So whenever you're ready for that module that has things done fully proper and ready for distribution and all this, you have the background knowledge of GitHub and Git, which is a game changer. Andrew, you're totally touching on one of my weaknesses in that I typically hate putting something out until it's 100%. And I'm a perfectionist and I'm a completionist. And if you're a gamer, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so this was a great way for me to stretch and say, yeah, everything I want to put in this is not done. And you can look at the readme for that project and I've got a list of different functions I want to add. I haven't done them yet. And I think I may have some where it still says in the comment-based help, this is a work in progress still. But that does, just getting it out of my head and onto you know paper, so to speak, helps develop the idea, helps get it out there and kind of force me to commit to getting things done. And then it puts it out there in case if somebody wants to join in, help out and contribute to complete one of those functions, awesome they wouldn't have known if i hadn't put this incomplete product out there and so i think it's a win-win all around for sure i think it's also with those simpler 
um, repositories and projects, it's helpful for people to read your code and see how you accomplished some kind of problem that's kind of simple to wrap your head around. Like, how did you go about writing the function and being able to break that down is is super helpful. That's true. Even for something that, in the end, it may not have been worth the time to build a module or that particular function, but the exercise of figuring out how to do it definitely was worth that time. Yeah. And when you're developing or putting out things, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, think of it like version 0.0.1. It is not going to be the end all be all. It's not version 1.0. Okay. We're all right. Um, I always start off my projects with 0.0.1 and usually don't make it to a 1.0. That's fine. How long was Gmail on beta? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. we're uh, really top tier developers if we're adhering to that. <laughs> Love it. So, you are in the Microsoft space. And how long have you been in IT kind of working under the Microsoft products? Oh, man, around 20 years. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> so you've seen a lot of change sort of as being someone who administers Microsoft stuff, right? Quite a bit. I was just reminiscing recently. I wasn't technically in IT, but the first time I installed NT4 and set up a domain was when I was in high school. Um, so it, this, there's been a, a lot of development, a lot of cool stuff coming out. Are you into PowerShell from exchange or what was your first introduction into starting to run PowerShell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, uh, that was exchanges has long been one of my responsibilities. And as, as you guys both know, actually, I think we, we can thank exchange for, um, kind of getting on board with Snowverse vision for it, right? That was the first product that really embedded PowerShell, and you just you can't manage Exchange fully without it. So yeah, they started getting aware away from actually they remove GUI functionality, and you'd have to use it with PowerShell, which right. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was mind blowing when they introduced that little window where if you're using the Exchange admin center, it would still show you what PowerShell commands it was doing in the background. That was a huge way for me to help uh, just start learning PowerShell even better. But that that was my intro for sure. And then, of course, managing Active Directory, uh, even DNS, having that as a tool and not needing to click 10,000 times to do one thing for every user, every mailbox. Man, you fall in love pretty quickly, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be a career changer. Oh, absolutely. So you were more copy-pasting code or just kind of coming up with one-liners? When did you start? I guess you, you said wow. you just been problem-solving to learn PowerShell sort of all along, but was there a time when you were like starting to write more scripts or more advanced stuff? You know, I, I don't know if anything comes to mind. I, I don't know if I can think of my first one. I know early on with Exchange being the core product, I, uh, I hail back to Paul Cunningham. Uh, and he was, for us exchange admins, the go-to guy for how to automate stuff with PowerShell for a very long time. So I, I borrowed some of his code and his scripts. And um, I don't know. I, yep, there it is. So the, <laughs> the first project that I really felt like I was uh, cracking my knuckles and digging in deep was an Active Directory Forest migration project. 
and we didn't have the budget for a big tool like Quest. So we were using ADMT and PowerShell. And so my buddy and I migrated, well, no, it was a multiple team effort, but the two of us created a lot of PowerShell scripts to automate quite a few of the steps on that one. And that was the first one that really felt, oh, we created something really fun and really cool right here. So I think that's kind of where I, I caught a little bit more of the fire and got it more interested. So what is your job? You don't have to share your employer if you don't want, but what type of uh, place is it? So that's uh, no, fine. I, I just started about three months ago with Sentinel Technologies. Uh, I have the, the pleasure of working with one of your former guests, Mike Sewell. Oh, and, very cool. uh, so we have some really fantastic conversations, uh, for sure. Uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely still in a bit of a transition because I spent 16 years before that working for one organization, a healthcare company, and doing a bit of everything in, in the space. And, and now I'm on the consulting and professional services side. And, um, well, right now I'm doing some active directory M&A and kind of assessing environments and helping clients either, you know, do health and security assessments or checking their posture for either onboarding 365 or kind of maturing their adoption of 365 and just the entire suite that goes along with that. Cause it's, it's just a never ending bucket, you know, once you delve into Entra and Defender and Intune and, and the rest of that suite. So trying to add value there. That's exciting. Yeah. So as a long time Microsoft administrator, where do you, how do you assess where things are right now as a PowerShell user in the Microsoft ecosystem? Uh, what's your assessment of now, maybe compared to three years ago? Hmm. Which way to go with that one? Um, Hot takes. Let's you know, go. some hot takes. Uh, you don't need to go far to get hot takes on, you know, Microsoft's commitment to PowerShell or what the graph module looks like. But I, I like to focus on what everyone's doing with PowerShell. And let's go back to the community, right? I feel like there is more than ever an amazing amount of tools coming out because the you know looking at the infrastructure the operations people sysadmins um people managing virtualization there's been this gradual catching up and you know i i love the concept of operational maturity um, where you're not just modernizing, but you're learning how to better use tools, use the, everything that you have, better practices and, and things like that. But I feel like the community has been rising as a whole in learning how to use tools that, you know, if we're honest, people in the Linux world have been using longer than in, in Windows, um, but also just being uh, influenced by the DevOps and the SRE practices. You know, we're not developers, but then again, we kind of are. If you're doing a function with multiple scripts and if you're doing if then else, you're kind of developing. Um, so, I, you know, I love this, how we're all growing 
in this understanding of how to use some development practices to be more effective in how we do infrastructure operations and systems administration. And we're being more effective at maintaining our configuration as code, being more effective at deploying changes sort of like a pipeline and, and not just smashing stuff out there and, oh shoot, that caught the problem, let's go scramble back. And, you know, so that's, those are the wins that I'm, I'm seeing and, and really loving right now. That's awesome. And we want to support that. If you're out there, keep getting involved in PowerShell, keep learning, keep contributing, because as we contribute, the tools we have access to are better. We can accomplish more uh, in our IT lives and ultimately have a better time at work and solve more stuff and keep things secure. Absolutely. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> For sure. And automate what you can with PowerShell. Good answers to the questions so far. Jordan, I think we need to crank this up to 11 and hit them with some hard ones. Oh, that smells like a challenge. Right. Yeah, we've had, we've had all the easy questions, all the, all the all this stuff out of the way. It's time to get to the questions that really get down to the core of who you are as a person and as a PowerShell user. Are you ready for the common parameters? Let's find out. All right. Number one, what's one time something went wrong on the job and uh, what did you learn from it? Mm. So many to choose from. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you know, I, I didn't decide ahead of time what I would actually, which one I would talk about. So um, the one that floats the top for me is you know, today I'm, I'm managing GPOs and, you know, my obsession of keeping things orderly and clean and putting them in the right space. And uh, I'm, I'm maintaining our PKI GPOs. And in there, we've got a container for all of your trusted root certs and your intermediate certs, uh, your, I should say, intermediate CA certs. And I saw that there were a few intermediate certs in the root CA store. So... I did have one brief conversation with someone like, hey, any idea why that's in there instead of in the intermediate one? Yeah, nah. So I'm thinking I'll do the right thing and put it in the right store. And, um, you know, no quick conversations revealed any issue, any reason not to put it in the right place, right? And the little voice on the shoulder there said, you know, go through change control and do some testing first. And, this was one of those days, you know, young, confident cowboy and just clean things up and keep going. You know where I'm going with this. And uh, there's always the exception to, to the rule. So I, I did move that CA cert into the proper container. And it turns out we had some, I think it was some thin clients that could only read from the root CA store. And they stopped trusting our domain after I moved that intermediate CA cert into the proper container. And so people weren't happy that day. And I got my hand slapped and, and I deserved it, right? So my lesson learned there was, like I said, change control is vital. And sometimes the right answer isn't the right answer. You know, you gotta do that testing and do it more broadly than, than you think. Um, Even on that one, where would it be documented? Like, because that, that that's such a out of the wall thing. There, like, where would you document? Hey, 
thin clients can only read from the root. Like, I don't, I'm not sure how to, uh, yeah. And that's, that's a great question that, um, we could probably spend hours talking about CMDBs and documentation and, and things like that. I think at the end of the day though, if I, even if I had still gone through the right process, it probably still would have happened, but people would have been covered. Yeah. People wouldn't have been shocked. Um, and people also would have known more quickly where to look and what change to roll back. And so it wouldn't have been a hand slap as much as, oh, we all learned something together today. And then it would have gotten documented. So. <laughs> all right. I like it. So far, you're doing okay. It only gets more difficult, though. All right. All right. All right. Second common parameter with everything you know now, what's one tip you'd give your younger self when you're first getting started? It, you know, this podcast in a nutshell, it's, it would be really around a lot of what we've talked about and, um, we find, so it's, it's a three-part answer and I'll, I'll try to keep it quick, but get involved in the community as much as possible, as much as your boss will allow, as much as your work schedule and your family schedule will allow, because the community truly is a career accelerator in so many ways. Uh, it, it'll help you grow, help you keep motivated, uh, or even encourage you when you're really not feeling great about your job, um, solving problems much more quickly. And so get involved. Don't get comfortable just in your box at, at your current company. And um, even if it's a great company that you're comfortable at. <laughs> So along with that, I would say take full advantage of your company's willingness to pay for learning certificates and conferences. Um, I, for some reason, didn't do that for a very long time in my career. I was still learning. I was still doing some good things. But again, I could have gone a lot farther, I think, if I had taken the initiative there. And it's... You know, some advice that I think many people, including, you know, Don Jones and his book about owning your tech career uh, is very important. Uh, read that book. <laughs> but no one cares about your career uh, more than you. And if you're relying on other people to push you ahead, then you're kind of handicapping yourself quite a bit. And then if I can add one last piece, I would say pick one to three things to to go deep on stay broad on, on a lot of stuff because you know there's no way not to you you're gonna do very well if you understand a lot of things at least at a conceptual level but pick the three things that you're going to go deep on and then create a detailed plan for how to go deep and grow in those areas um, don't just coast and go with the flow like sam already did 20 10 years ago so that's, that's the I would, I would dump on me thank you <laughs> i could have used it when i was younger so thanks yeah kick kick my butt i'm always fascinated by advice of that nature though because it is fantastic advice but is your younger self ready to hear it like how many of the advice we go back and tell ourselves we would just reject old man thinking like you know you what do you know old guy and, and move on without taking the advice i'm I've always curious on the advice is great. How willing are our younger selves to take it at the time? You know, it's 
that's a, a good question. I, I think I believe I would have my, what I would have needed is just, okay, maybe I'll, I'll change that. Maybe I'll get rid of all of that and say, <laughs> find a mentor that is willing to kick your butt and coach you. Right. Because I knew all this 20 years ago. I knew all these things and I didn't, I didn't commit to them and pursue them. And so let's just say have a mentor and a coach and there are people out there who are willing to, you know, um, heck I'm happy to, uh, and I still actually have a mentor too at this point. And so get one that is willing to, to kick your butt and help you stay motivated on that exact track and, you know, willing to force you to set specific goals and timelines. I like it. You ready for the last one? This one is easily the most difficult. Easily. I am not ready. (laughs) No one ever is. What are your three favorite modules? So lots of my favorites have already been talked about. And even the ones I want to include as honorable mentions. So um, I went through my starred projects on, on GitHub to, to find some and help me narrow it down. I want to talk about a project called ORCA by Cam Murray. And it's an acronym for the Office 365 Recommended Configuration Analyzer. So if you're responsible for Exchange Online, uh, Exchange Online Protection, or Defender for Office 365, this is a must-have tool. It's gonna. It's very easy to run, and it um, it's a PowerShell module that once you connect to Exchange Online, scans all your settings for for that and your Defender settings, and it gives you a beautifully done report that shows what is uh, different from the recommended baseline and what to do to fix it, and explains why there are risks. So, even if your organization has chosen to differ on some of the rules it's one of those tools kind of like locksmith where you can quickly find gaps that you might have missed your security team will love it and your exchange online guy will love it orca nice orca linkage show notes yeah so number two um <laughs> I'll, I'll come if this one is going to have a rider on it but uh i mentioned uh our friend shechem earlier and i asked him how to pronounce his name and he said his friends and coworkers call him that but again if you are familiar with the evotech blog you know he has created some really useful modules and one that i want to call out if you manage active directory and gpos you should run gpo zor gpo z a u r r uh it's again it's just an amazing tool that um it checks a lot of things that would be really hard to check manually or repeatedly for your gpos in ad in sysfall the permissions on them and for for common issues it does a great report as well so that's my number two and the writer is honestly all of his modules <laughs> there's there's uh there's quite a few he has a one called testimo for testing active directory he has a module for creating modules, and we use that. It's called PS Publish Module. So look at his GitHub repo. Definitely amazing projects there. Yep. Prolific author. 
it, prolific is correct. And he's one of those people that uh, I've gone to several times with questions and he has always answered them happily. So you guys should have him on. Yeah. And you're sending a DM right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Uh, I think wait, that's three or is it two? Well, I'm going to cheat from number three. Okay. Um, my my friends would say this is creative abuse of game mechanics, but my number three is the modules created by my friends, Jake Hildreth and Spencer Alessi. <laughs> and so, so these are the two guys that I work on Locksmith with. And between the two of them, they have some incredible tools for ops people, blue teamers, red teamers alike. So Locksmith... Uh, Jake and one of his colleagues, uh, Jim Sakura, just released Blue Tuxedo, which it does what Locksmith does for DNS. And holy cow, there's so much in DNS that, um, again, a, a lot of us know DNS better than PKI, but this is a great new tool for looking for uh, configurations in DNS. And then... Uh, Spencer, I, I picked two out of his many repos, script sentry. I love AD. And so this one speaks to my heart. It looks for logon scripts in Active Directory. And ones in particular that might be broken or creating vulnerable situations for you. And then he also has one called DA Accelerator. And so look at that. This one looks for things like scheduled tasks that are using domain admin accounts to run scheduled tasks. So that's my cheat. My number three modules from these two guys um, have some really well rich content. I'll be honest. If you didn't end up with Locksmith somewhere in there, I would I would have made fun of you because <laughs> I know. It's clearly and, uh, one of your three favorites. So the fact that it made it in, I'll allow. Oh, oh, oh. that, that was my way of including it, but still <laughs> not um, burning an answer on it, if you will. Because there's so many good modules out there. There are. It's what makes this so great. So we have so yeah. many awesome modules yeah. to choose from. And I love a good blue team module. Those are so helpful for blue teamers, but also people who are responsible for systems. Um, Can I, I, I just got to, so blue team. Go for it. We got to plug the InfoSec people. Um, they are an amazing group. And for, I don't know, maybe the past five years or so, I've begun to realize how much I identify with InfoSec because really, if you do Active Directory, Group Policy, Defender, like there's so many things that security is truly dependent on. And for more than half my career, I sat in that seat owning Actor Directory, I'm doing air quotes there, but I would wait for them to do their pen tests and their assessments and send me the list of things to fix. And I realized one day, you know, if I'm you know, calling myself the ADs me for my organization and I'm responsible for this, why would I want to wait for them to take time out of their busy schedules to do my assessment and tell me what to fix? I need to understand how to secure the products that I'm responsible for. And so, you know, I began connecting with more people on jumping ahead, Twitter in the InfoStack space, because when they learn things, they go deep. 
And they often will learn it better than the SMEs know it themselves. And they have some absolutely amazing tools out there. So just a little aside, I would encourage you know anyone, whether you know Twitter or Blue Sky or Mastodon or, or whatever is your space, find those people that do red team or blue team on the tools that you use, and you will learn boatloads about that. And you will find tools that will teach you even more and secure your environment and make it run better. So much respect. Good shout out. Shout out to all of our security listeners. Absolutely. All right. So I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but when Andrew shills, it is the equivalent of opening up the Ark of the Covenant. And every Monday, he's over here putting people's lives at risk. And it's my job as the hype man to let people know, don't look at it or, or your face will, will melt. I think if we're going to continue this to the end. So uh, I, I would like to let everyone know, unless you're driving, close your eyes, don't look at it. Andrew's about to open the shield. Take it away, Andrew. Thank you so much, Jordan. Fitting introduction for one of the best shields that we will ever have, because this is one of our best episodes that we've ever had. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you, Sam, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for listening. If you enjoyed this, give us a like, comment, subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Maybe subscribe on YouTube. If you're a super fan, join us on Discord, discord.gg slash PDQ. There's a PowerShell channel. Uh, always happy to get PowerShell podcast feedback. Um, very helpful for us. Just want to give a shout out. We didn't mention this on the podcast. Shout out to the amazing ohmyposh.dev shirt by the lovely Sam. I'm Andrew Pla. He's Jordan Hammond. Sam. It's been great getting to know you, right? First time meeting you. Where can people on the internet, where can we find you and keep up with you? You can find me most active on Twitter at Sam Erty. I think rumors of Twitter's demise are greatly exaggerated. Um, And also the brand new blog at day3bits.com. Hopefully I'll be able to exercise the writing habit and get some Decent content out there (laughs) as often as possible. You a LinkedIn guy? I'm potentially becoming more of a LinkedIn guy. I've I've never, that's an interesting one because I've never really seen it as a social media network. I just kind of always looked it up more as the Rolodex, if you will. Um, But seeing a lot more engagement and content creators sharing there. So I may become more of a LinkedIn guy. We'll see. Either way, you can find me anywhere. Just um, at my name. Perfect. Makes it easy. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast. The PowerShell Podcast is a PDQ production, making device management simple, secure, and pretty damn quick.